Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. everyone and welcome back to the two adoptive mamas podcast. We're really grateful that you're here and you popped your earbuds in. We have such a special guest for you today. Leanne Hale is joining us from South Carolina. Hi, Leanne. Hey guys. We're really thrilled to have you here. Leanne reached out to us and we love when we have listeners um, make a connection with us and want to talk about the podcast. And so um, Leanne was one of those individuals and we're really glad to connect with her tonight. Leanne, let's kick it off. Why don't you share with us how you are connected to the adoption and foster care community? Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to get to talk with you guys tonight and, and chat. Um, so my journey to motherhood started out with an infertility diagnosis early into my marriage, which really just led to God opening my eyes and my heart to something that I would have never chosen on my own, um, apart from him. And just so thankful that he intervened. I kind of explain it as while I prayed selfishly, God decided to bless mercifully and a podcast is obviously nowhere near long enough to share our whole story from where we started to where we are now. So I did write a couple books. If you want the whole story, that's where you need to go for it. But long story short, um, we adopted our oldest two boys as infants. So both are domestic adoptions. After our two boys, we experienced a miscarriage and a disrupted adoption match almost simultaneously, like within maybe like a month's span. Um, and then surprisingly got pregnant with our youngest too. So all in all, we're blessed with four precious boys, ages six, four, two, and one. And my husband and I will, um, have been married 11 years this coming month. So that's a little bit about my backstory. That's awesome. Um, and we, we have often said, uh, at least in the past, we've often said on the show, how God really does the math. Um, cause you are not, you maybe have one idea. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not maybe sure how it's going to happen, but you have a, a thought of how it's going to go. And then right. God's like, just kidding. Let me show you how I do my math. Um, that is so how, true. <laughs> how he <laughs> brings everyone into our family. So I know we will, we'll be diving into your story more through like our conversation, but, um, and you had already alluded to it that you had written some books. So the one that we'll talk about today is sewing in tears. Um, and can you, I mean, maybe I guess elaborating on your story or also just kind of revealing how it is that you came to, um, writing, uh, what are some of the book themes that you have? Like what was the process for you and like choosing to write a book about how you grew your family and while you were growing your family, like how did that all work for you and how did those themes kind of come to light? Yeah, sure. So I wrote two books about our journey through adoption and I donate a hundred percent of the proceeds to waiting families pursuing adoption. So the first one, Sewing in Tears, A Mother's Sorrow and Infertility and Joint Adoption. The title is pretty 
self-explanatory, but I basically wrote the book originally. So I just wouldn't forget all the ways that God was blessing and um, leading us together really as a family, but it's also very real and raw. Um, I'm pretty transparent about the hopelessness I felt in the trenches of infertility and just how God really opened my eyes and opened my heart to option. And then shortly after I published the first book, God just kept adding and expanding our family and my mama heart couldn't leave my other babies out. And I wanted to share their stories. So uh, my newest book that just released in the new year, Sewing in Tears 2, When Brokenness Becomes Beauty. Um, This one goes into pretty great detail about a disrupted match that we had. And then obviously the second adoption with our son and our surprise pregnancies. But the overall theme for this one is just not letting our suffering be wasted and really just finding um, beauty in the midst of brokenness and maybe some practical mom advice weaved throughout mistakes that I learned the hard way that hopefully can help others. Definitely um, both books that I feel like everyone could benefit from, whether you're in the process or, you know, even in the early stages of navigating a match, um, it's always helpful to hear that others have gone before you or been there and that you're not alone. Um, If you wouldn't mind, I know this is a little bit um, ad lib, but we've talked a little bit before about disruptions and navigating those whatever you're willing to share, wondering if you can, um, without, of course we want to read the book, but um, if you want to tell us a little bit about what that, that was like, since you've alluded to it. Yeah. So, um, I, I had that a little in a question that we might get to later. So if I, if I go to that, just remind me that I might've already, um, said this, but I think, um, in, in that situation, um, I think that's where you really see the both and of adoption idea come into play. Uh, like with this disrupted match, I was able to truly rejoice when I saw a mother and her son able to say no to us, to say no to adoption, because that meant that they found a way to say yes to staying together And I truly did rejoice. And at the same time that I rejoice, I wept tears of great sorrow in um, just letting go of that future that I saw, you know, so I think there's sorrow, there's joy. You can't have one um, without the other. And that's why a big theme of not just my book, but I feel like as these years go on, a big theme of my life is just seeing um, brokenness to beauty and just trying to find those ways in broken situations where God is is working because we know he's working behind the scenes. It's just hard to see in the moment. So just making myself find um, his beauty really in the midst of of those times. I think that's beautiful. And I think you already, um, you gave a great segue into just, my next question, which would, um, what biblical truths has the Lord revealed in your current season of motherhood? So you talked a little bit about brokenness into beauty and, um, you know, I think there's, there's so much brokenness in adoption and foster care Mm -hmm. and why all parts of the triad are coming to, um, this point, but there's so much beauty in it as well. So, but anyway, what are some of the other biblical truths that he's been really revealing to you? Yes. Um, 
I think the hope that we, and this kind of does go along with it too, obviously, but the hope we have as believers that one day God is going to make whole everything that once was broken, you know, every tear is going to be wiped away. He's going to make all things new. And as I was thinking through this, I was like, personally, you know, I just don't know how people walk the road apart from God. You know, we, we face so much sorrow and heartbreak in our lives and without God, that's what you're left with. Um, but when you walk the road with God, your life and, you know, everything, it doesn't end with hopelessness. There's hope in the promise that one day he's going to make all things new. And I think just remembering and trying to remind myself that, you know, he's a sovereign king. He's working behind the scenes of our lives. And that is something that we can fully trust in. I think what that looks like in my life is letting go of control. You know, I want to be in control, but just remembering who ultimately is in control and that he has my life in his hands and he's um, working things out for, for my good and his glory ultimately. Yeah. It's a worthy reminder, Leanne. And I'm, I'm thinking about a recent sermon series we had in our church um, where we were reminded that it's safe to hope when our hope is in Jesus, um, no matter how That's good. Yeah. difficult or, you know, challenging it might be, um, we, it's okay to hope, um, Mm -hmm. and that we're safe to hope in him. Um, so kind of in that same vein, as we think about our listening audience and other moms, um, who are navigating the tension and balance that adoption can bring, what is your encouragement to them as someone who's walked, um, varying, varying journeys within adoption? Um, what is your encouragement to them? Yeah. So I think there are so many ways I could take this. So I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to my mind and hope that I can make sense of what I'm trying to say here. Um, I think it's very important to remember that adoption isn't about us. I think there's a huge danger in going into adoption, thinking you're some hero in a cape, rescuing this child that needs saving and I feel like it's become almost like an easy idea for us adoptive parents to kind of hang our hat on, so to speak, because there are so many people um, praising us for what we're doing. Oh, you're so great. You're so special. This child is so lucky to have you. And I think the danger in that is that it totally robs all the glory from the only one who deserves it. And as believers, you know, we know that's, that's God. He ultimately deserves, um, the praise and the glory for what he's done and what he's doing in our lives. And we may be vessels that he chooses to use in a particular circumstance, but in my life, at least, you know, his plan would have worked. The universe would have kept right on spinning with or without me. Um, So I just think it's extremely important for um, us adoptive parents just to keep sharing and reminding very well-intentioned people, um, as I don't want to be negative towards them because I do think they are very well-intentioned when they make comments like that, but just reminding them um, the actual truth of who really deserves the praise. But I think by doing that, it puts our focus back on Christ. And we can see from scripture very clearly when our focus, when our mind is on Christ, he will keep us in perfect peace. And that doesn't mean our life will be easy or smooth sailing, um, but it means he'll walk before us. It means he'll walk with us. It means he won't 
leave us or forsake us. So I just think um, keeping our focus on, on Christ is key and can really help. You are full of the good reminders tonight, man. <laughs> um, I love it. So um, I'm going to jump back to, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the question that you alluded to before, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would love to hear what family preservation means to you and maybe elaborating on a little bit of the story that, or the piece of your story about the um, disruption and just kind of seeing how family preservation for your own family, for the um, other family, a birth mom's family, um, where the adoptee is still able to not be an adoptee and be in home um, with with their biological parents. Just walk us through all of it, family. Okay. Preservation. <laughs> all right. Um, well, I obviously think family preservation is extremely important when at all possible. You know, I'm a huge advocate for that. Um, you know, when you really break it down in a perfect world, there would be no need for adoption. God's plan from the beginning was for the family to stay together. But because of sin, we know we're surrounded by broken people in a broken world and the family unit is under attack. But um, that's also one of the reasons that I believe adoption is so beautiful because those broken pieces are able to be mended and God in his sovereignty can turn those broken situations really into opportunities to showcase his glory. And I think that was very clear in the disrupted match that we saw. It was in a sense, a broken situation for my husband and I, but, um, you know, God just really allowed us to see his glory shine in that and being able to see the beauty that came from that. And that was obviously this mother and her son able to stay together and be together and find a way through their family to make it, um, make it work. But so with that said, you know, when a family can stay together safely, when there's no need, um, for adoption, I do think that's reason to rejoice. Um, but like I said, you also have sorrow at the same, it's just the both and you can't get away from the both and, um, in adoption really. Um, I think it just takes a whole lot of prayer and discernment, um, as we learn to help in this area of family preservation and our situation, um, with my boys specifically, you know, where adoption was ultimately the decision. I want to definitely make sure that our boys know that our family extends, much bigger than our family of six, you know, how important their birth family is and how their birth families are our families. And I think that's a way that we can still preserve um, the family ties. It just looks a little different, but you can still have that in adoption. It just it has a different face, I guess. So Leanne, this season on the podcast, we've been focusing on community um, and kind of how to combat isolation and truly getting to the root of what community means, because I think we talk about it a lot and say it's important, but what what does that mean? What does it look like? How is it demonstrated? How is it lived out? Um, so as you think about the journey that you and your family have been on, um, what is at the root of meaningful community for, um, for the Hale family? The Hale family. I think... Um being intentional 
with relationships, you know, surface level relationships are, are easy. They take minimal effort, but they also don't bear the fruit that comes with deep rooted friendships that are going to test us and grow us. And if we're believers, hopefully point us to Christ. So I think just being intentional with those. And I say that while I also say an area um, that I am lacking very much is this, this area, an area that I'm trying to grow in, you know, I'm a stay at home mom. So it's really easy for me to live, you know, in the walls of my home or the aisles of the grocery store, because I'm at the grocery store quite a bit with four boys, Um, you know, intentional relationships just take a lot more effort at this stage of my life. And obviously, while the most important ones to nurture and build are you know, that of my husband and my children, I know that God's also placed other people in my path for a reason. And I'm just trying to be conscious of making time for those relationships because I've learned that it's not just what I can give to those people that God puts in my path. You know, um, he uses them to encourage and strengthen me too. And I need that in in my life. So it's an area, like I said, I've definitely not mastered. I don't even think I'm really good at it, but um, I'm definitely trying at this um, point in my life, just trying to really be intentional with the relationships that God's blessed us with and blessed me with. So hmm. I would, I, I guess I would say as feedback that um, I would venture to guess that most of our listeners are experiencing this in some form or fashion. And um, it, maybe looks different for different seasons of parenting, but I think that there's a layer of um, parenting children who come from hard places that adds to this need for intentionality to seek out people who really get it um, and, and can understand that layer because it, it is really challenging. I think I, I, I can resonate with what mm-hmm. um, you're saying. And I have some of my work part time out of the home and then at home and just even seeing like that differential and balance is tough for me. So just knowing that um, it might look different, you know, you're, the kids ages might be different. Their needs might be different. They might fluctuate throughout the year, but I just think that that intentionality is, is really a crucial crucial route. Um, and like you said, it's just tough. It's just tough sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, on the flip side, can you yeah. share, is there something you feel like God is really showing or giving in abundance right now with that com- when it comes to community? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, we are blessed with a wonderful extended family on both sides. Um, but because we don't live near either of our families, um, our church family has truly become um, a second family to us and really just taken my husband and I under their wing since we first started going there when we, when we first got married. Um, But because it's summer, we are currently enjoying uh, traveling and being able to see more family more often. That also includes more traveling with four kids, which is not the easiest of tasks to do, but um you know, it's just really a huge blessing that I don't want to take for granted. And God has blessed um, abundantly in, in the family that he's um, given us and just the extendedness of that, like, you know, the friends that really ch- turn to be family and and take the place of family too when, when family's far. And I so just that's ask been a, a, blessing. Fo- a follow-up to see yeah. um, 
when it comes to thinking about your church community, mm-hmm. um, what are some of the really practical ways you have seen them be that intentional community, um, that like family um, that you might be able to encourage other listeners, whether they are, find themselves walking a journey of adoption or foster care, or whether they are in a church community and know of families um, who are walking that journey what are the things that have meant the most to you um, that, where you've like truly seen them show up uh, and that it is the intentional community so that we can hear some of those awesome examples? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So in my first book, I actually go into great detail about this because um, in the beginning through my infertility, I looking back, I don't really know why, but I pretty much kept it hush hush um, until we had gotten over the sorrow part and realized that we wanted to adopt and we were joyful in moving forward with adoption. So it's like, I tell people, we told people about adoption and they're just trying to process, Oh, I'm so sorry for everything you've gone through. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're past the, like, don't be sad. We're happy now. Like, let's, let's move on. But in that um, time, we truly saw our church family um, be the hands and feet of Jesus in so many ways. And and I allude to a lot of them in the book. And really, that's a huge reason why I wrote the book, because God was just showing us um, himself through these different people who would just reach out, you know, and and it's not um, a lot of times people think when you go through the adoption uh, journey, you know, oh, you need a fundraise, you need to get all these things. And the money gifts that we got are like I... Um, like so low on the list of things that I wanted to remember and share to my son, if that makes sense. It's just like the people who, who reached out and gave of their time and came beside us in a time and just showed up. I'm doing a terrible job at explaining this. I'm trying to think through specific examples, but just, just showing up and being there and letting people know that you're there and not, um, that we weren't alone, basically. Infertility left me feeling super alone and super isolated. And when we opened up with what we were going through and and um, the journey that we were about to take, we just saw floods of people coming in from all over, really, the body of Christ from not just our local church, but the church at, at wide and just really blessing blessing us in those areas. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder, Leanne. We've talked about it a little bit before, but I know even in our own journey, adoption journey, it was actually Liz and her husband who encouraged us, like allow people to step into Mm -hmm. your story. And there were times where we had just made the assumption that like no one else needed to be bothered with it. And it was like our cross to bear. And, you know, if we told them they would be uninterested Mm -hmm. and it was quite the opposite. And so I think that's something good to remember that it doesn't have to necessarily be in the form of a financial contribution. It can be exactly. a conversation, you know, over to your coffee where you realize that you're not alone and that you're being prayed for. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just turns into so much more. So there were tangible, tangible gifts. I remember 
um, we had our first home study and I had no idea what to expect, you know, with that. So some of my friends knew I was really nervous and anxious and cleaning every inch of my stove and like not knowing, you know, what to do. And one Wednesday night we left for church and by the door of our car, there was just a bouquet of flowers. And it was just a very Mm. simple bouquet of flowers with a note saying, um, you know, we love you and we just want you to know we're praying for you tomorrow. And it's just, that didn't, that probably wasn't super hard for them to do, but the impact it had, you know, seven Mm -hmm. years later, you know, me, I still think of that. And I still have that base with the note in my China cabinet, just as Mm -hmm. a reminder of that was just one way that, you know, I saw Jesus through them, through their act of kindness. Yeah. That's amazing. doesn't have to be big. Right. Um, so Leanne, I want our listeners to be able to find you and find, um, both of your books. So tell us a little bit about where we can find them. And also I'm interested to know, so you shared that the proceeds go to waiting families. Um, what is the avenue for that or how, how have you kind of, um, allow that to develop as your book has been published and shared? Yeah, we've been able to have one um, big giveaway um, that video is on social media. So you can see that too, Um, working on another one in the future. So I reach out to different adoption agencies so I can make sure I'm not just getting, you know, scams or something and they share it with their adoptive parents. And uh, we kind of go through a little process there on how we get it. But I am on, on social media at Sewing in Tears book. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, and both my books are available on Amazon too. And you can also find them on the link on my Instagram bio also, but yeah, yes, at we will Sewing link- in Tears book. Perfect. Well, and we'll link up everything in our show notes for our listeners. So if you didn't catch all that, you can find it there. Absolutely. Leanne, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you um, so much. It was it was so great to hear a little bit of your story about your book, about um, just some of the things that God has been revealing through your adoption journey and the um, growing of your family. And like I said before, you're just coming at us tonight with all the good reminders. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, for our listeners, um, we'll hope that you got something to take away. Um, it's still a little reminder to keep in your heart for this week. And until we meet again, remember, you've got this mama. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or know someone who could benefit from our show, the best thing to do is leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are grateful to be hosting the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast for a fifth season. Learn more about how you can support our ongoing work through our Patreon at twoadoptivemamas.com. As always, it's been fun. Until we meet again, remember, you've got this mama.